0: I'm Pastor Michael Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. I'd like to welcome you and to thank you for listening to our Sunday morning sermons. I hope that they're a blessing to you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about the structure of reality, or uh, the word is the structure of reality. So my, I'm doing this thing in the new year, to get a little bit of better control of my, my health, because during COVID, I'm sure many of you can, can identify with this, um, didn't eat as healthily as I should have and just turned into, you know, a trash compactor and, uh, eating everything in sight. And, and so I'm doing this, uh, a health plan. And the way this health plan works is it structures out a bunch of stuff for you. Like here's like a, a, a pie chart and here's three different colors. And you can eat a percentage of each food based on where in the pie chart it is. And it's like, it's caloric density. Uh, And then there's like recipes and uh, psychological tools to kind of get your mind to, to run with the program and to work with the program. Um, So I've been doing that and I've been amazed so far at the structure that it's laying out. And once that structure is laid out, then the work becomes mine. Right, to follow the pattern, to follow the structure, because the structure gives strength and support to the entire uh, the entire program. It gives guidance to the entire program. And then I started thinking as well about um, how how ships are built. Uh, You would have to lay out, you know, part of the super the supporting parts of the superstructure first. And then once that that underlying structure, you can build all of the bits uh on right on 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 the ship i mean that right even in the death star when they made the death star you know they didn't just build like they they had the superstructure first and then they built everything around and they put the giant laser in last you know except for the forest moon one and they left it wide open and the rebels got in we know how that ended right but the point is is that there's a structure that underlies everything our cars our homes even our bodies um and the structure upon which all reality exists upon, and is not only called to exist upon a participation in this, the structure of, uh, of the Word of God, right? The structure of, of what we would say also, the Logos, right? That's what John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, in beginning, in Greek, the Logos. The Logos was with God, and the Word was God. So we're going to deal with that uh, a little bit um, this morning. So, I think that the selection from the Gospel of John is, along with the account of the resurrection, one of the most important passages in all of the Bible, in all of Scripture. And I mean, that does a big statement, right? Because we're sort of taught to believe that all Scripture is sort of equal, that that all verses, all verses have the same weight, all verses have the same import, all verses have the same usage, but that's not actually quite true there there's lots of books in the bible that are that we should read and be familiar with and conversant with but something like the gospel of john right what we just read in particular is going to be a little bit more important in the grand scheme of things than you know a reading from about tithing in malachi right tithing in malachi has has some good stuff in there but it's not it's good but when you compare it to John 1, it's not, not quite the same. Uh, and so all scripture is equally inspired, right? But not all scripture is going to have the same weight for us uh, as, as something like this. So that's why I think it's one of the most important passages in the entire Bible. Um, and it lays out sort of the structure of, of, of everything, the structure of reality, the structure of of the church even too, right? So it's sort of like a cosmic backdrop right in, in the other three gospels well in matthew and luke we get the infancy narratives and and um the flight into egypt and, and all those parts of the story in the gospel of mark we don't get really, we don't really get anything jesus just sort of shows up on the scene and he's active and working and that's sort of keeping in theme with the gospel of mark which is short punchy to the point let's get jesus from point a to point b everything happens quickly but in John, John, it's like John takes not just a step back, but it's like he gets into one of those high-altitude hot air balloons and he goes up to the sky and he's sort of, you know, looking through. He gets that kind of view of what's going on uh, with the coming of Christ into the world uh, in in the incarnation. And so we see in this sort of cosmic backdrop this fundamental truth of our faith that that the person and work of God the Son, the eternal Word of God. The logos we see that fundamental truth not only that word of god being present at the beginning of time but the word is also god say Theophylax is therefore the father and the son of one nature because there is one divinity the great john proclaims the word and the father are different from each other but not in kind right so this is incredibly important because there's christians in ages past and even in today who don't hold to the divinity of the word um but the church fathers realized very quickly that if that if jesus the word was not god then his act of redemptive sacrifice would hold uh, it wouldn't have accomplished anything for us hey margaret archer uh, good morning thanks for joining us so it's also interesting to know here right the parallels in in genesis you know genesis begins how in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth Right, And here in John 1, it begins similarly. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, the Word was with God. Was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Then it says, all things were made through Him. So there's this tie-in between right, the creation account in Genesis 1 and the eternal existence of God the Word. And not only that, but all things were created through the Word of God. So God does not create the Word. The Word is is God. It's very important, right? But not only that, but in the Word of God, there is life and there is light. So just as... In the creation accounts, right, we see God creates everything, and then it says He separated the light from the darkness in Genesis, right? So we see that the Word brings light to humanity, and that light, the darkness cannot hide it, and the darkness cannot overthrow it. And the act of creation through the Word is not something really that's that's over and done with, right? In the ancient past, the Word's ongoing act of creation is happening in us, uh, and through us, His people. So the Word. Right. Logos in Greek, like I said, is the one from which all reality is structured upon. All that is derives its life from the word of God. And this is something that brings us life, true life, life that is abundant. But the word is also something we bear witness to that structure. Right. It was something we bear witness to the work of the word the word is personal and can be known and so we then have that wonderful portion that i just read in john 1 verses 6 through 9 and then verse 15 about saint john the baptizer and he was sent from god to bear witness to the word he was sent to bear witness to the light it says and we see that the light of the word is life true and being united united with god so the word came to bring that life to bring that light. And John is the witness to that light, right? And we read throughout the nativity season, the story of St. John being born of St. Elizabeth, right? Um, He was miraculously born of Elizabeth and Zechariah in their old age. And that should make us think again, where have, have we seen patterns like this before? Well, we see this pattern before in the book of Genesis, right? Abraham and Sarah, God calls them, God promises Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. You're like, I'm an old man, how's that gonna happen? God's like, I'm gonna give you an heir. And that plays out throughout Genesis over and over and over again. And so we see something similar, right, happening here with Zachariah. Well, not similar, it's the same. And this person who's born to Zachariah and Elizabeth, this man is not going to be, um, he's not the child of the covenant, right? But he's sent to the people of the covenant to proclaim the coming of of the Messiah so he John is filled the, the scriptures tell us from the by the Holy Spirit in his mother's in his mother's womb his parents though still have him the way you know we would normally like right, have kids right he still comes into the existence the old-fashioned way uh, unlike unlike Christ Christ is conceived uh, of the Holy Spirit John is conceived of his father or mother but God does a miracle where they're little bit older not able to have children he makes them able to do it so John his purpose is to bear witness to testify to the light to the Word of God made flesh he is to prepare the people so through his testimony they will come to receive and accept the coming light of the world the structure by which they will base all of their lives upon. The Messiah is coming. And this act of public witness is our call too, brothers and sisters. We've all been born of God if we are in Christ. Our hearts were prepared by others who came before us. Who, like in the spirit of John the Baptizer, prepared us. People who who taught us, who led us through their holy example to Jesus. They bore witness to to the light, not just with what they said, but also with how they lived. I think of my own parents, like my mom and my dad. Uh, my, my father was in the ministry and still is in the ministry uh, To this day, but my I remember he would we would have Bible time, you know after dinner And sometimes we didn't want to I don't want to have Bible time and dad would say well, we're gonna do it. Anyway, you know, we, we would have um, My mom would teach me Bible stories and she would draw pictures to go with it and and, 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 and teach me as, as best she could uh, about scripture about God and then the demonstrated through a life uh, of prayer and, and worship what that what that was what that's like so they bore witness to to the light and and people like my mom they bear witness to the life into the light of Christ all the time right my mom she'll approach anybody shopping mall parking lot somebody's filling up her tank if it's that kind of gas station she'll talk to them of about Jesus hey do you know Jesus this is who Jesus is this is what Jesus has done for me Bear witness in her own way. We're all called to bear witness to the light of the world, the coming of the light of Christ into the world. This act of public witness is our call. Son of God, we are in Christ, right? We are not the light itself, like John was not the light. Christ is right, but as we participate in Christ, we bear His light into the dark places of the world. So the light of Christ illuminates everything all of the dark and nasty places so one of the great temptations for us brothers and sisters is this uh, this idea of light like getting rid of the darkness um one of the great temptations here would be to focus on one aspect of that right the temptation would be to focus the aspect of bringing the light of christ into the darkness in regards to relieving social evil, right? Uh, Or addressing inequalities and working for the betterment uh, of of others in need. Um, I was asked one time in a virtual meeting about why in a sermon that I presented, why didn't I talk about the structural nature of sin and how sin has a structure that plays itself out in in our daily lives. And and I replied, well, that wasn't the point of the sermon, right? And, and honestly, that idea of sin as structures of oppression, right? That, that's, that wasn't the point of the sermon. That's kind of secondary to what sin is. Those structures of oppression set forth by human evil, they result from sin. But that's not quite the idea of sin that the Bible is talking about, I think. Sin is something that has taken us captive as human beings. It's something that has enslaved us. We have all, you know, in Adam, scripture says we have all died. In Christ, we have been made alive. So we we're dead in our trespasses, right? We have been captured by sin. Now we can get there, right, to the light of Christ being the relieving of social issues and stuff like that. That's absolutely true, but it's not primary. The primary way of looking at this is the light overcoming the darkness is. Because there is no justice, right? There is no social justice. There is no true biblical justice without first being freed from sin and from death. That is primary. There can be no justice, no true biblical justice. And let me be frank and clear here. Biblical justice is not fighting for abortion rights. You see that framed all the time as reproductive rights. We need to fight for these things because this is a justice issue. Fighting for abortion rights is not a justice issue. I don't care what happened in Argentina, right? That was a a sad thing where they've they've you know legalized it there now completely. And there's much rejoicing, right? That is not a justice issue. (laughs) I'll probably get in trouble for saying that, right? Hmm. I'll get in trouble for this too. Injecting children with puberty blockers. Making that type of thing available to them is not a justice issue, right? A justice issue would be getting them mental help, right? That would how that would play itself out. But harming others for the sake of actualization is not a justice issue. We're we're looking for biblical justice, not social justice. True biblical justice. You could call it social justice, right? But that the way it's popularly framed right now is, to use our own terminology, is very problematic. We have to be liberated from the darkness of sin and death and the devil. We're all under sway to, to Satan, sin and death. This is why the light has come, to shine in the darkness, not only just to illuminate that darkness, but to destroy the power of darkness itself, rendering that darkness impotent and powerless in the face of the word of God. And it is only then, once we are free from the clutches of sin, death, and Satan, then we can start working for true biblical justice in the world. And we have to be careful that the biblical justice that we work for is not the same (laughs) point of view of justice as given to us by progressive and conservative secular culture. Biblical social justice and secular social justice are not the same thing. And unfortunately, there's too much cross-pollination that way. So let's talk a little bit about the glory. I'm, I'm going way over the one I thought I was going to today. So the word of God as witnessed to by John was not received by everyone. This did not mean that John was a failure, right? Far from it. Even though the word made all things when he entered into his own creation, his own creation did not receive him, but some did. Some recognized the finger of God as he healed those who were sick and as he preached repentance to to everyone in need, right? To all who received him through the message of his witness are all brought into God's family. All brought into God's family. And so I'm not quite sure how John uses it here, but we, we see and hear this language uh, of family uh, brought up over and over and over again in the New Testament, particularly picked up in St. Paul. And When St. Paul picks up this idea of us being God's children, it, it, he calls us, so he uses the word sons. He's like, you will be sons of God, right? And so in some of our Bibles, because of, of gender, gender uh, particular philosophies about translating gender-neutral languages, right? They'll they'll translate sons of God into, like, children of God, which is fine, right? But when when you do that, you you lose what he means by sons of God because we think back into the Old Testament. The sons of God in the Old Testament are angelic beings, right? We see this all throughout the Old Testament. When it's referring to sons of God, it's it's referring to angelic beings. The language of family in the New Testament is not the modern language of human adoption. Even though you're not, bi- you may not biologically be someone's child, you still become a part of their family legally. I, my, I'm in my own family, we have people who are adopted away. My own father uh, had a biological father who divorced my nana, and um, she got remarried a few years later to my grandpa George, and uh, and grandpa George took uh, adopted my father as his own son. And my father, his last name was Fish, F-I-S-C-H. And when he was adopted by Grandpa George, he took his name, Landsman, right? And that's what happens with us when we're adopted by God, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more. What's in view here in the scriptures, right, is the divinization of humanity, our participation in the shining light of Christ. Remember last week in Nativity sermon, John Chrysostom said, because God is now on earth and man in heaven on every side, all things commingle. And all of this right is because we've seen his glory and in seeing his glory, we worship him. And in worshiping him, we continually place our trust in him. And as we continue to place our trust in him, we are transformed more and more into his image, regaining what we lost in the garden. The word was made flesh and t- tabernacled and dwelt, set up his tent among us, enabling us to see and be part of the glory that was hidden from the face of Moses. And this is all a gift of God's grace, right? So all of this, right? The glory, the witness, and the word, this is the pattern and structure of of all reality. Everything exists on this structure, right? As does the church, right? This is the structure for the church too, because we have received the light of Christ. We have been transformed by the gospel. We have been set free from sin and from death and from Satan. And then we are called to be witnesses to the word in the world. And as we do that, we become participants of his glory. That's visible more and more and more through us. Not only as we're free from sin and death, but also as we do those very real biblical things that we need to do in helping those who are who are in need, right? As Christ's witnesses, we're called to proclaim the coming of the light to set it free those who are enslaved to sin. And sin is a real thing, right? Sin is, again, is not just human injustices, right? Not just human injustices. And as we proclaim the glories of him who called us into his glorious light, we can then work for those in need, clothing for those who need it, feeding those who need it, bringing healing to those who need it. This is the structure of reality for the church. Everything we say, everything we do is a reflection of the light of glory we have been given by Christ. And it is up to us, my brothers and sisters, to shine that light of Christ to everyone so they can see it. And in seeing it, they may be coming, they may come to believe themselves and to be set free. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. This is Pastor Mike Lancman, and if you have any questions about anything you heard or would like some more information about our church, Feel free to email me, malandsman at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Zion Stone UCC, or our website, zionstoneucc.com. We have a GoFundMe set up as well for some repairs that we need, gofundme.com slash savezionstoneUCC. As we continue to navigate the fallout from the coronavirus, I'd like to thank everyone for their continued generosity. It always amazes me how generous you've been. And I pray that the blessings of God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would be with you and would keep you.